If I spend a couple thousand dollars and it doesn't work, yes, I'm out a couple thousand dollars, but it's worth it for the knowledge because if it works, well, wow, the, the upside is huge. Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 191. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs. And on today's episode, I'm diving into a conversation with my good friend, Joel from Harvest Host, who runs that company, about how after buying it a couple years ago, he has massively grown this amazing membership that so many of us use while we're out traveling the country. But before getting into the episode with Joel, I just want to share kind of an exciting life update. Currently, I'm recording. This is my first episode to record in our brand new Winnebago RV. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that whenever Alyssa and I found out we were pregnant in 2018, we decided to get an apartment for a year, make the transition into becoming parents. And when we were looking forward to 2020, we realized the dream that made us the most excited was this idea, this vision that we have of buying a campground and converting it to this amazing place for people like us who work remotely and travel around the country, want to live small, but also you know, go to spend time in beautiful places. And as we thought about that vision, we realized that we still had so much to learn about buying real estate or buying a campground. And so this next year, we're going to be traveling across the country and we have pinpointed a lot of amazing campgrounds across our route that we want to go stay at and learn from people and also be looking at property that we could potentially buy to convert into our own campground. And it's kind of this big, crazy vision. We realized the best way to make that happen was in our own RV, of course. So we've packed up the remaining things that we acquired this year into storage. And as of a couple days ago, we are now homeless again or living in an RV, not homeless. This is our home. We ended up going with a much bigger RV than we've ever driven in the past. It is actually a 40 foot diesel pusher, which is totally different than the types of RVs that we drove in Italy and New Zealand and Canada. But this one has a couple things that none of those other RVs had. And the biggest one, which I'm sitting at right now, is a six foot long dual desk, which Alyssa and I can use to work as we're traveling across the country. It's got a lot of space on the floor for Ellie to roll around in. That's our seven month old daughter. And there's a couple of reasons why we ended up going with this particular RV outside of those, which I'll get into in future episodes. But that's kind of just a fun kind of life update to include in this end of the year podcast. In today's episode with Joel, we talk about the three biggest marketing channels that he has used to grow Harvest Host tremendously over the past few years and how he's kind of treated it like an incremental process of learning, tweaking, and trying new things. A lot of times when we're starting a business or even like in our day-to-day -day business that we've been running for a long time, we're constantly spread thin. Should I post on Facebook? Should I build an email list? Should I buy Google ads? Should I buy Facebook ads? Should I start a YouTube channel? Should I sell directly to customers? It doesn't really matter what the business is. There's always so many different areas that we're trying to focus on that it can be overwhelming if we try to do too many at once. So I think the thing that I took away from this episode was less about the specific channels because that's going to be different for every business and more about the overall process of finding the channels that are going to give you the largest return for your dollar. I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Joel Holland from Harvest Host. Joel, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Oh, thanks for having me, Heath. Always fun to catch up and talk about RVs. Exactly, yeah. Does Mary Ashley ever get tired of talking about like the RV world with you? <laughs> no, and I'm lucky. Like, so, I mean, when we started RVing years ago, it was really an experiment, and neither one of us knew how well we would take to the RV lifestyle. 
we both knew we were just kind of burned out in DC and we wanted to like hit the road and try something different. We looked at it as a grand experiment. We rented a crappy like Cruise America <laughs> up in Canada and did our first trip and we both loved it. And I think that was like that was like the beginning of what became quite a nice relationship with RVing, but but that was only the beginning. The next experiment was buying a fifth wheel and then actually hitting the road for a year. We thought at some point we'll get tired of this and then we'll be done and we'll go back to like our normal like lifestyle. You know, here we are like six years later and we're still loving it and she's still loving it. So I try to make sure like if there are ever little things that she wants to do or wants to add to the RV or like I try to be very accommodating because I don't want her to ever get tired of it. Yeah, no, I love that. And the only reason I ask is because I have other friends who like work in the RV space and are also RVers. And it's like, I always try to be empathetic because whichever spouse is not maybe as involved with their business, but maybe they still enjoy the lifestyle. It's like, I'm always trying to be wary of like not over talking about this stuff just because I'm excited about it. doesn't mean that, you know, Alyssa or whoever is always going to be pumped about it as I am. So totally. Well, and the other thing that you probably experience when your business and your passion are very much aligned it's great, right? It's, it's very, very cool because every day I'm excited to like go to work and work on Harvest Hosts. It's also a dangerous game because if you overdo it and get tired of the business, you risk ruining one of your like greatest loves, right? Or one of your passions. And so I'm pretty cognizant of that. Like in our last podcast, we talked about my whole process with burnout and you know, the last company I was video editing, right? Shooting video. I loved shooting video. But by the end of running that company, I was tired of it. And I actually stopped shooting video for a while because I was so burnt out with the whole thing. So this time around with Harvest Host, I'm making very, very certain to not overdo it because I don't ever want to resent the RV lifestyle. I always want to love it. So it helps me create balance. Yeah. And even worse would be if you started hating things like wineries or breweries, because that's <laughs> Dude, also I'm... part of your business. So like, I wouldn't even <laughs> want to get even close to that. So you bought Harvest Host a couple years ago and we talked about that and I'll link up to our first podcast episode in the show notes, but I thought it'd be cool to bring you back on because we become pretty, I would say pretty good friends over the past couple of years and we talk yeah. quite a bit and it's been fast, fun. Fast yeah. It'd be fun. It was actually funny because you guys were going to Greece and I sent you like a goofy picture of us doing something. And this was like, how do you it's going to sound like an ego thing, but it's like, how do you make friends so quickly? It's just like you and Joel didn't even know each other. I was like, I don't know. I think sometimes it just, you just kind of click and you're like, we have a lot in common and things like that. But you've been now running Harvest Hose a couple of years and the business has grown a ton since you came on board. And I thought it'd be cool to kind of dive into some of the angles and areas that you've been able to focus and intentionally kind of grow the company. Cause there's so many different areas to focus on when somebody is either starting or maybe you bought a business. And so I thought it'd be kind of cool to dig into those today. Yeah, man, for sure. I love it. So you bought Harvest Host, like from a timeline perspective, if you didn't hear the first interview, you bought it in 2017, 18? So beginning of 2018, I started talking to Don and Kim, and it was like a three-month kind of courting period of getting to know each other. We officially took possession of the company May 2018. And since then, you guys have seen like a massive growth in membership. When you first bought it, how did you know where to focus your time? Like there's all these different areas and things to do. Like you can update the website, you can create new accounts, like you can add new host locations. Like when you were looking at the massive amount of things to be done for the business, like where did you know to put your time? It's a great question. And the answer at first sounds a little like trite. It was very natural. Like it, it was interesting, like before finding Harvest Hosts, I was working really hard to try to find my next thing, like the next company. I was looking at companies to start, companies to buy, a lot of them in areas that were completely out of my 
wheelhouse and a lot of them for the wrong reasons. Like I was looking for a business, not because I loved the business, but because I wanted to run a business. And I was really overwhelmed with exactly what you said, which is like, where would I start? What would I improve? Where would I put my time? When I finally stopped looking and, and then found Harvest Hosts, it was a very natural process. I found a company that I loved and that I actually used. And I thought, whoa, I would love to run this company because I would love to take it to more people. And so honestly, like the way I approached how to improve the business was one, it's already a great business. So don't screw it up. Right. I was like my 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 marching orders to myself were this is wonderful. Like, don't screw it up. Right. It's like Google's do no harm thing. Yeah. But then two, like, what's my goal? My goal was let's make this easier to use from a technology perspective and let's bring it to more people. And so the way that I then approached it was as a user. And I was fortunate to be an RVer and to be a Harvest Host member. I knew exactly what I personally wanted as a customer. And that's where I started. And that was, let's rebuild the website because it just didn't, it wasn't that easy to use. Let's build an app because all of us are on our phones when we're RVing. It's a way easier way to do it. Let's get more hosts because more is always better in this kind of business, right? And then let's start actually advertising and marketing because I felt that there was a lot of room to grow the customer or the member base without oversaturating the community of hosts. Was one of the reasons that you bought it, because when we were in Colorado looking at our campground, you came to visit, I I say our campground, the campground that we were looking at buying this summer, you mentioned how important it was to kind of have those low hanging fruits of things that you could immediately improve on a business. Like if somebody's out there looking to buy a business, and a lot of times people think that if you buy a business, it has to be in the tens of millions of dollars, but it could actually be in the tens of thousands of dollars. You could buy, you know, legit small businesses. There's a lot of websites where you can do that. But how important do you think it is if you're looking at buying something or acquiring a business to have those low-hanging fruits where you can say, I can add value to the business and it's very clear to me how? I think it's very important. I think that having the self-awareness to know what you are personally good at and what you would be able to add to the business is really important. And so when I was looking for businesses and then when I ultimately found Harvest Hosts, I was able to do just that and say, okay, what am I good at? Well, I've built technology companies, I've built websites, I've built apps. Could I apply those skills here? And the answer was yes. And and so that was cool. Now, the reality is when you buy a company, like, you know, when I bought Harvest Hosts and this is how it goes with any company, you're paying some sort of multiple, right? So I paid like a multi-year multiple of their current profitability. That's the negotiation, however many years that works out to. We paid a multiple, you know, many years into the future to get it paid back if everything stayed exactly the same. And so the question was, okay, is that all right? Like if I buy the company and just keep it going as it is, eventually it'll be paid off and it'll be profitable. Then you layer on what could I add value to, you know, to basically grow faster. And then it becomes, all right, you can make those years, that payoff period gets shorter and shorter, the more value you can layer on top. And so we were fortunate with Harvest Hosts. I bought it perfectly willing to, you know, wait a number of years to have profitability. But then started layering on some of these things like improving technology and then taking my background in online marketing and applying it and drastically shortened that time period to payback, which is great. That's awesome. And when you're looking at ways to grow business, a lot of times I'd see people posting in our Facebook group that they feel overwhelmed thinking about like, I need to post on Instagram, I need to post on Facebook, or I need to do ads or buy 
Google ads or whatever. And it's like, it can be very overwhelming if you're just kind of starting out and trying to figure out which lever is going to do the most impact for you. And so when you first started with Harvest Host, I know you've done really well with affiliates. I want to get into that, but like, did you, did you kind of look at all the landscape and think about here's all the areas where we can maybe grow users? Or did you naturally say like, I think affiliates is probably the best way to do this? Yeah, it was a mixture. So the first thing, the previous owners had really done no online marketing for the company. And so the first thing I wanted to do was simply start testing all of the logical channels, Google AdWords, Facebook, email marketing, industry advertising. And so I started doing that. So we built a nice landing page, kind of built a a nicer funnel for getting people through sign up. And then it was like time to start throwing traffic at it to see what would work. And it was really surprising. I expected Google AdWords words to work really well, and it didn't. Totally fell flat. Like, had a really hard time profitably getting people to sign up through Google AdWords. Really far from profitability, actually. So we ended up abandoning that effort. But yet Facebook was explosively profitable. And, and in hindsight, it makes sense. Like, Harvest Host is a very social product, and it's the kind of product where – When you're a member using it, you love it. You love to share the photos from these cool locations where you're staying. You love telling your friends about it. And that's Facebook. Like it's a very social platform. It's more of a platform where a product that you want to see to like see it and then want it is a good fit. Google AdWords is more a fit for products that you're searching for, right? Like so search intent. If you're looking for a campground in a specific area, type it into Google, find that campground, go. People don't really search for a product like Harvest Hosts because they don't know they need it, right? Mm. If they've never heard of it, they don't know they need it. But when they see it on Facebook, they're like, whoa, I can stay overnight at wineries? That's awesome. And then they follow through, right? So so that was the first step was just testing these different channels. And we tested Pinterest and we tested Instagram. Facebook worked. And so, so then back to your question around prioritization, there was only one of me. I had no employees. And so... I focused our efforts on Facebook because that's what was working. And that's where I started pouring my time and, and our money. Now, over time, as it grew, then we were able to expand you know, into other types of channels. The affiliate was the next very natural extension for me. And before we get, and into, was, before yeah. we get into affiliates, because then I'll totally lose track of this, but I want to hammer. Yeah. I wanna, so <laughs> looking at Facebook, because we talked a little bit about this. So with you guys, what was kind of the anatomy or like the five steps that you went through, like Basically, you said you created a landing page for Harvest Host, right? So basic sign up. Yep. Did you use any type of like MailChimp integration landing pages that we used? Yeah, it's great. I love MailChimp. Okay. So MailChimp's phenomenal. And they have a landing page builder, right? They do. Okay. Yep. And so you use MailChimp landing page builder. You created, tweaked a little bit of ad copy on Facebook. It's ridiculously easy to make an ad on Facebook. And then what was like a test? Everyone's going to have a range of a budget that they can throw out there. But did you have like a number uh, that you were willing to spend over like the course of a day or a month or anything like that as far as Facebook goes? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like you said, everyone's got their own budget where they're comfortable. What I would say is make sure you choose a test budget that's large enough that you can actually get some reliable data. Because if you're only spending a couple dollars a day, you're not probably going to get good information. And in fact, you could get some like false negative information. So I looked at it and I said, look, I want to spend at least a couple thousand dollars on this to see if it doesn't work. If I spend a couple thousand dollars and it doesn't work, yes, I'm out a couple thousand dollars, but it's worth it for the knowledge because if it works, well, wow, the, the upside is huge. And so I think, you know, I, I put a budget of like a hundred dollars a day or something like that. Right. And I wanted to run it for a couple weeks 
And, you know, that got me to like $1,400 or whatever it would be. And then in that time, I wanted to know how much was I paying per click? What percentage of people were hitting the website, you know, the landing page and then signing up all the way, of course, the conversion rate, or even just giving me an email address that I could start my trigger series through MailChimp, you know, to educate them on Harvest Hosts, how many people did that? And then ultimately, what was my cost per sign up? And two weeks and a couple thousand dollars was enough for me to realize, wow, this is working really well. Like clicks were super high. So the cost per click was really low. That in and of itself means nothing. But having all this traffic hit the page and then hitting my funnel, I was able to get a cost per conversion that was much lower than we were paying on Facebook. Right. So I'm sorry, I was getting a cost per conversion that was much lower than the value of a membership sign up. Mm. And so then you're like, okay, if, if my cost per conversion is less than the person signing up, you're making money, right? There's a spread there. You're making money. Let's turn this up and do more of it. Yeah. So, and, and then it's a bit of an experimentation process, right? Like through the MailChimp landing pages, or we use Google Optimize, which is a free tool from Google to run A-B testing on landing pages. So we were using Google Optimize to test headlines and images and calls to action. And you can really start to improve those numbers. And so what I always say, let's say you spend, uh, you know, I'm just gonna make up numbers. Say you spend $100 on Facebook and you get one sign up that's worth like 50 bucks. Well, you could look at that as this is not good. I just lost $50, right? But I think a good rule of thumb is if you're within two standard deviations of breaking even, you can actually fix that through optimizing the landing page, your funnel, your email series, getting all that stuff right. You can double. You're double basically your saying if you rate. throw an ad up, even if you're not initially making money back from the ad, then like if you haven't went through at least a couple iterations to change ad copy, things like that, then you could lower that lower that bar pretty quickly. Absolutely right. Yep. That's a much more eloquent way of putting <laughs> putting it. Basically, like whatever your conversion rate is when you start by putting up your landing page, assume you can double that conversion rate mm. through iterative testing and optimization. I only have a couple of friends who have really good B2C product. Oh, that's not true. I have a couple of friends who have B2C products like you, my buddy Nate, who has a company called Fairdrop that are in like the 50 to $80 a year range for the products. And both of you guys are crushing it with Facebook ads. It's like literally for every dollar. I don't know the specifics we talked about a while back, but it's like, I know just from some of those conversations, like you put in a dollar, you're getting like five back. So as long as like it made that kind of upside makes sense, it's like, take my money, Facebook. <laughs> totally. I mean, yeah. and, and I'll be honest, like we're spending right now this month, like up to $3,000 a day on Facebook. Because I mean, you're making insane. more from it. And it won't be like that forever. I'm sure at one point Google was like that. And, you know, right. it makes sense to kind of like exhaust that resource while you can. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Exhaust that resource, get your credit card points, <laughs> yeah. take a trip somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but no, but, but, you know, you bring up another point. I personally love high value, low priced products because they're an easy sell. There's a time and a place for super expensive products, but if you can make your product inexpensive compared to the value you're providing, like your friend with Fairdrop, like it's a pretty easy sell. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, with Harvest Host, it's like you can essentially make it back in two nights. But I would say, like, even experience-wise, like if if you only went to one property a year, it'd be like, oh, I had this amazing experience at a winery, and you know, like that was really cool, and I was only able to stay there because of Harvest Host kind of thing. So it's like, but most people, I would assume, are staying like quite a few nights. So anyway, I think. 
that's super interesting about Facebook. I'm glad that we kind of drilled into that. The next thing I know, we actually met when you were kind of reaching out to people to be affiliates. And that's been another avenue that has worked really well for you guys. And so can you kind of talk about like how you approach creating an affiliate program? Yeah. So I think affiliate programs are one of the greatest ways to market a product ever invented, ever, because they cost you nothing as a business owner unless they work, right? So like we pay our affiliates and we pay, we pay a lot. We pay, we pay a whole lot of money to our affiliates, but it's wonderful because every time we make a payment, it means that they've helped us improve our business. So you're, you're really paying for results. Unlike Facebook and Google where you're paying and then hoping you can make results happen to recapture your cash, like affiliates, you're paying for results. So, you know, I think the basic question to ask yourself, and I hope I know the answer to this, is as a business owner, are you excited about telling people about your product? Mm -hmm. Like, is that something you enjoy doing, saying, hey, this product's so cool, here's why you should join? And if the answer is yes, then you could have an affiliate program and you could have other people who are just as excited about your product spreading the gospel on your behalf. And uh, if the answer is no, you should find a new business. But that's exactly what we did. I went to our existing customers, right, our existing members, and that's where you should always start. Like your existing customers or members are the people who are most likely to understand your product, love your product, and want to share your product. And so what I noticed was we were getting tons of referrals already. Like without a program in place, we were getting all this traffic from popular YouTubers, from people like you, you know, you and Alyssa, who just liked talking about Harvest Hosts. And it was wonderful and I appreciated it, but we were getting all the benefit. Like we were making all the money. You guys were doing a nice service by talking about the product, but you weren't getting anything in return. So I thought it would be nice to put a program in place that kind of gave everybody a little something. So the affiliate, right, the member who wanted to share our product, we wanted to pay them, you know, a fee for helping us onboard members. We also wanted to give a discount to people signing up so that as an affiliate, you can go out to somebody and say, hey, Heath, I love this product. I'm going to make some money if you sign up, but I don't want that to be the only reason I'm telling you this. Here's also a discount for you. And so we kind of came up with this program where we would allow our affiliates to give a 15% discount, make $15 from every sign up, and then we end up with a member that breaks even you know, on that cost in about a year. And so it'll, it, it kind of worked for everybody. Like we get new members, affiliates make money, and the people they bring on get a discount. So everyone's getting something. So I started by going to our existing members saying, hey guys, like a lot of you have already been sharing the Harvest Host story. That's so nice of you. We now have an official program where you can actually get some money in return for doing this. Like you shouldn't be doing this for nothing. And I told them where to sign up and how to start using their referral link. And the company we use, by the way, this is important. There are a lot of different affiliate programs out there. I think a lot of them are terribly designed. They're old. They're junky. They don't work. And by the way, they're expensive. Like there are some programs out there that charge you like thousands of dollars a month for a platform that's clunky. We use Referral Candy. And Referral Candy is a very simple, like stupidly simple program to set up for your business. Like a couple clicks does not take any programming prowess. You pay them like a tiny percentage of affiliate signups that come in. So again, you're only paying really for performance. I think the monthly fees like $49, like it's something very, very inexpensive. And they then track everything automatically for you and handle all the payouts through PayPal on a monthly basis. So that becomes very important when you have 
you know, a lot of affiliates. And we now have like thousands of affiliates because every member who signs up for a Harvest Host account gets invited to become an affiliate and they're given an affiliate link automatically right at sign up. So every month, if I had to go through and actually figure out who referred what, how much to pay them, and then manually did it through PayPal, it would be, it would literally be impossible. But Referral Candy does all that for us for a very, very low price. So as you're researching, I, I highly recommend you at least check out Referral Candy. But, but, you know, but that's how we did it. I told our members about it first. And then to your point, I reached out to some of the influencers in our industry that I loved and personally followed. Like you were one of them. A lot of the YouTubers like Mark and Trish and others that were already sending traffic our way. I just reached out and said, Hey, thank you so much. You know, and by the way, you can make some money guilt free because you can also give a discount and you're helping us. So here's how to do it. So that was my second step was to reach out to influencers, tell them about the program and then, you know, kind of encourage them to participate. I love that. Yeah. One of the things I was talking with my buddy, Nate with fair drop, and I actually referred him to referral. I think he signed up with referral candy. So I was like, Joel's done this really well with Harvest Host. You should look at who he's using. And I believe he went and like signed up as well because he wanted to create a similar affiliate program. And one of the pain points he was working through is trying to figure out like, hey, you know, I can, you know, shoot this out to a lot of people. We're still a young company trying to get affiliates to sign up. That's great. But the other thing that he was kind of bouncing around the idea of is just like how to approach things like one-off sponsorships or working with people outside of the traditional affiliate relationship. And I know you've done a little bit about of that as well. So like, I guess that's one of the things that's like people are always trying to navigate to. It's like, okay, you have the affiliate bringer in place. It's a little bit automated at this point. You've got a lot of great people on board, but then how are you also working on layering in other opportunities that are maybe more along the ad slash sponsorship route and like, and how have some of those gone, if that makes sense? Yeah. The affiliate program naturally lends itself to figuring out who your best promoters are Mm. and then deepening your relationships with them. And so like when you look at our, if you log into our referral candy account, like we have thousands of, of affiliates, but no surprise, like Pareto's rule, like 80, 20 rule applies here. Like it does everywhere our top 10 affiliates are responsible for like 70% of our referrals. Mm -hmm. And so what I've then done is gotten to know those top 10 very well and basically said, Hey, like clearly we have a, a harmonious relationship. Like your audience loves our product. It works really well. How can we work more closely together? And that has lent itself to sponsoring cool events like RV entrepreneur summit working with some of our YouTubers to have them create custom content for us that we actually pay them for. And that, you know, I I just think that's a good way to do it. Like see what's working and then dig deeper or the nerdy way to put that, that I like to say is see what's working and then double click on it. I I love that a lot because I think if you're a company and you have a limited budget, which everyone always does in some regard, you know, your budget's always going to be limited. A lot of times I've just heard it's like hit or miss if you're trying to find somebody who has a big audience on a platform and you don't have a pre-existing relationship. So you're kind of coming in there and hoping that this person is going to deliver and say like, oh, if they've got this many followers on Instagram or on YouTube or whatever, and you do like a one-off campaign, you hope that everything's going to go well, but it doesn't like, that's kind of a big risk, especially if you don't have a lot of money to throw into a place. So I love the idea of being able to like source from affiliates and actually know who's going to provide because I've just heard a lot of times where people have gotten burned if they didn't know that or kind of approach it as a one-off relationship versus like, we're going to have this long-term relationship. I just have always found that those seem to, to work out much better. 
Absolutely. And the long-term relationship thing is important because, you know, for, for the person that is driving traffic your way, they're going to work harder for you and do arguably a better job if they know that you're going to be working together for a long time. And if it's a one-off thing, it might not go that way. I think the second way that everyone should source ideas for where to be advertising and, and where to be putting sponsorship dollars is just by asking your customers. And one of my favorite things to do in every company I've run is like <laughs> build solutions based directly on what customers tell me to do. And the way I do that is I send out surveys all the time. And it's like we have a membership survey going out next week and we're asking our members a number of questions, but one of them is, you know, what industry websites do you use? Which industry YouTube channels do you follow? Which industry Instagram accounts do you follow? And then I'm going to look through thousands of responses and I'm going to look for, you know, some like trends. And if I see a ton of people saying, oh, we all follow this one YouTuber, well, cha-ching, like that makes a lot of sense to reach out and say, hey, let's try working together and see if something sticks. So that's the other way that I found a lot of cool sponsorships is actually just by seeing what our customer, where our customers exist. And essentially what you're doing is creating a lookalike audience. Right. If like hundreds of your customers are all on one website, that's probably the right website to be looking for new customers. Oh, that's so smart. I think every company in every industry should be doing that. But, you know, just because we're so close in the RV industry, like that one, I can just visualize so well because so many companies are focusing time and a lot of resources specifically on like things where nobody's paying any attention to that. <laughs> it's like, so it's like, if you're, if you're looking at like, I think of companies like manufacturers, for example, you know, if I'm a manufacturer, I'm thinking about where are people getting their first interaction with an RV or my company. And 90% of the time, probably it's going to be through some type of content or they're going to go on Google and they're going to search up like Winnebago or Airstreams or something like that. And the first thing that's going to pop up is what people who are creating content, because that's where people's attention are. So it's like the first interaction with a lot of your product at the top of the funnel, if you will, is going to start with people who are putting this information out there. So it's like, if you're not building those relationships and focusing on that, you're, you're losing that some of those initial customer points of contact. Totally. So. Yep, absolutely. The third thing that I know you guys have done, and I actually didn't even write this down, but I just remembered it, that you guys have been doing really well with creating, I think you said like kind of more long form guides on your website that kind of puts people into more of a funnel. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Content is like the third wheel of our strategy, you know, for people that really aren't quite ready to sign up, you know, and, and give you, you know, give you their hard dollars but are still interested, you want to attract them somehow, right? You want, you want to get their attention, you want to get their email address so that you can stay in touch with them and get them more and more warmed up to the product. And like you said, we've done that through blog. There was no Harvest Host blog when, when we took over. We now have a great Harvest Host blog that we publish a, you know, a few articles a week to, and they're good articles. Like we spend a lot of time writing great content. And now, you know, for the first time ever, like certain organically, if you search for, you know, like RV winery, we're the top RVing with cats, we're the top <laughs> RV renovation. This is crazy. But if you Google RV renovation, like Harvest Host is either number one or number two right now. Interesting. And it's all, it's all from our blog. So it just, it's, it's, it's bringing in additional eyeballs, giving them good content and then asking them for an email address. And, you know, right now we're, we're getting hundreds of people every day are signing up for email updates. We then run them through a nice trigger series in MailChimp 
And it's like a seven to 10 day campaign where we give them some video content. We give them some press articles. We show them our, some great photos. By the time you finish that cycle, you know the product. And then we ask you to sign up and, and we have pretty good luck with that. So yeah, content's super important. Free guides, like you mentioned free guides. I love as a company, if there's ever a way to give something away for free in return for a sign up, right? Just an email address, like find a way to do it. So my last company, it was really easy. Like we were a stock video company. So we would give away some stock video clips for free which, and they had value, right? Like stock video clips were worth a lot of money and we'd give them away for free in return for signing up. Well, Harvest Host was a little different. We couldn't like, there was not really a, a tangible product to give away or, or something that like was obvious. But we created this guide, the ultimate guide to free RV camping. And we had a writer. She spent uh, this art. This thing became like a 7,000 word um, <laughs> article, like, I don't know, 40 pages, maybe more. And it's amazing. It's so authoritative on how to boondock, where to boondock, where to dry camp, how it works in like uh, BLM areas. It really is truly a very valuable resource to free RV camping. And we started putting that out there. And I checked yesterday and we've had 17,000 downloads of that guide. And by the way, to get the guide, you have to put in an email address. So there's 17,000 email addresses that we don't spam, but we love to like keep them in the loop on Harvest Host's information. And it's become a really productive way to get more people to know about our product. I love that. And I, it was it's kind of fun to hear you talk through the transition going from Facebook advertising to affiliates and then like going to content because there are certain things that are going to be more immediate, you know, like Facebook ads, like you can throw one up in a half hour or less you know, affiliates take a little bit more setup, a little bit more intentional outreach, but you know, again, not super long content is kind of the more long-term evergreen type of game. So I like that even the whole idea of going through those three is like, if you're wanting to start out with the super low hanging fruit, you know, Facebook ads, moving to affiliates and then moving on to something like content is really cool. Well, the, the last question I have for you, Joel, is what's the biggest thing that you've learned over the past 12 months? It could be related to Harvestos or just in general in life. Well, this is so. So this is something I learned by way of making mistakes at my last company. So my last company was also a subscription-based company, very different product. It was stock video clips that you would, you know, you had a membership, you could download these video clips and use them in movies or YouTube videos, etc. So that product was literally infinitely scalable. So we could have either a thousand customers or a million customers. Didn't matter. We just needed more Amazon servers or to turn on more, you know, server space. Harvest Host is a very different product. Even though it's a digital product where we're not like shipping anything and we don't technically have any constraints around like, you know, physically, you know, bottlenecking in a warehouse, we do have constraints around I don't want to overwhelm our network of hosts. And so a lot of thought has gone into making sure that while we're running these campaigns for membership acquisition, we're actually spending even more time and effort recruiting hosts because when I step back, and I said this from the very beginning, Harvest Hosts is not a company without our hosts. Like I think our hosts are the most important part of the program, even before members, because without hosts, we have no members. And so the last thing I want to do is overwhelm our hosts with too many members or bad members. That was a very you know intentional decision to hire. We have a few people who focus entirely on host recruiting, and we've grown it. So when we picked up the company, it had 600 locations. We now have 1,273. I'm looking at the live count. So we've, we've doubled the locations and really focused on making sure that, 
you know, our members are treating the program well and, and taking it seriously. So I think what I learned, I learned this in the last company is like, it's, it's never, never focus on the money exclusively. Like you, you obviously run a business that needs to be profitable to stay in business. But if you're focused entirely on maximizing profit, you're going to end up having problems. And so if I had focused on maximizing profit with Harvest Hosts, I would have put all of our time and attention on membership recruiting. We would have grown the membership base tremendously, and we would not have grown hosts. Hosts cost us quite a bit of money to bring on. Like they cost a few hundred dollars a host to bring on. It's not inexpensive. So we've spent a ton of money and time recruiting hosts, but it has made the program stronger. And so I think, you know, that's a, a long-winded way of saying just make sure when you're looking at your like what is success for your business, almost always exclusively looking at profitability is the wrong metric for success. That's it's important, but it should be like what makes your business sustainable. And so for us, it's having this really healthy network of hosts and members. And that means we can be around for decades to come in a very, you know, strong business, you know, setting. I love it, man. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Where's a good place for people to connect with you online? Yeah. So follow us on Instagram. Uh, it's just Harvest Hosts. We post lots of awesome photos uh, from locations. For me personally, if you go to LinkedIn and, and search Joel Holland or just go to joelkentholland.com and it'll forward you to my LinkedIn profile, that's a nice way to get in touch. You know, uh, just send me a note, say you heard me chatting with Heath and I'd love to uh, say hello. And you'll be at the RV Entrepreneur Summit in March. So if you're coming to that, you can meet in person. Heck yeah. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're coming in coming in hot with our new solitude. Super excited to be posted up in the campground this year. So excited to meet everybody there. Sounds good, man. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Heath. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode with Joel from Harvest Host. Every time I've had conversations with Joel, not just on this podcast, but we talk pretty frequently offline, I always leave just thinking about things in a different light because he's just got a really good business sense about them. So it's good to have friends who challenge you in good ways. And that is definitely Joel for me. And on the topic of Harvest Host, if you're currently listening to this, traveling around the country in an RV, and you do not have a membership to Harvest Host, Joel gave us a discount and you can go to heathandalyssa.com forward slash Harvest Host to sign up and get 20% off of your annual Harvest Host membership. And if you do that before January 1st, if you're listening to this, Literally at the end of the year, uh, you can go there, but the discount code will still be applied afterwards. It just will not be for 20%. You can still get a 15% discount to Harvest Host. You can get access to their over 800 locations of farms, wineries, breweries, and amazing and unique RV stops all across the country. And I highly recommend it. We've had some of the best experiences staying at Harvest House at the end of long travel days in our RV and so many others feel the same way. So again, you can go to heathandalyssa.com forward slash Harvest Host to get your discount and sign up. Thank you guys again so much. And I'll see you all next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. <laughs>